When you think of a lawyer or judge, what image comes to mind? Is it a man in a long, dark robe sitting on a large dais with a gavel in his hand? Does the iconic 90s show Law & Order come to mind? You'd be surprised how many people base their idea of a good lawyer or judge off that show. Now, what if I asked you to guess how many lawyers and judges in the U.S. are women? Not so easy, is it? Well, according to the New York Times, over 50% of the law school grads in 2018 are women, but only 30% of them end up practicing law in the United States. The U.S. has struggled with the disparity between men and women in the workforce for hundreds of years, especially in the judiciary. It wasn't so long ago that women in the U.S. couldn't even vote, let alone practice law. Suffragettes used to flood the streets of New York City and Washington, D.C. in the first years of the 20th century. Fast forward to 2018 when a record amount of women, majority of them lawyers, were elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. From Sandra Day O'Connor to the iconic Ruth Bader Ginsburg, aka the notorious RBG, Americans have been fascinated with strong female leaders, especially in our federal judiciary. But very few people can name the first female Supreme Court justice, or recognize RBG as something other than a pop culture meme. In fact, these two women helped shape the legal practice for generations of women to come, despite the fact majority of millennials couldn't pick them out of a recent survey conducted by BuzzFeed. Let's take a trip through history real quick and rediscover some of the most famous women in the legal community. Then we'll hear from the current president of the Federal Bar Association, a strong female leader in her own right. First up, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. For her, we must go back in time to the summer of 1981. But without doubt, the most awesome appointment to the United States Supreme Court those who sit in the Supreme Court interpret the laws of our land and truly do leave their footprints on the sands of time. Long after the policies of presidents and senators and congressmen of any given era may have passed from public memory, they'll be remembered. After very careful review and consideration, I have made a decision as to my nominee to fill the vacancy on the United States Supreme Court created by the resignation of Justice Stewart. So today, I'm pleased to announce that upon completion of all the necessary checks by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, I will send to the Senate the nomination of Judge Sandra Day O'Connor of Arizona Court of Appeals for confirmation as an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. She is truly a person for all seasons, possessing those unique qualities of temperament, fairness, intellectual capacity and devotion to the public good which have characterized the 101 brethren who have preceded her. I commend her to you and I urge the Senate's swift bipartisan confirmation so that as soon as possible she may take her seat on the court and her place in history. President Ronald Reagan made history that day in July of 1981 by appointing the first female to sit on the highest court in the land. Many people had not heard of Sandra Day O'Connor from Arizona before that point. After the president announced his decision, reporters scrambled to find out who this woman was and what rare qualities she must possess in order to be selected for the U.S. Supreme Court. On September 21, 1981, Sandra Day O'Connor was confirmed by the unanimous consent of the U.S. Senate to be seated as an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. From being seated on the Supreme Court to the first woman to administer the oath of office to the Vice President of the United States, Sandra Day O'Connor takes her seat among many of the most amazing women who have helped shape our history in the United States. And the evidence you give in this hearing should be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you God. I do so swear. 
Sandra O'Connor, President Reagan's nominee to become the first woman justice on the Supreme Court, told the Senate today that she is firmly opposed to abortions. In the first day of confirmation hearings, the 51-year-old Arizona Court of Appeals judge also said she was a judicial conservative. She believed that the proper role for the courts is one of interpreting the law, not making it. Judge O'Connor faced questions on a wide variety of issues, but abortion dominated the opening of the session. Would you discuss your philosophy on abortion, both personal and judicial, and explain your actions as a state senator in Arizona on certain specific matters? My own view in the area of abortion is that I am opposed to it as a matter of birth control or otherwise. The subject of abortion is a valid one, in my view, for legislative action. Uh, subject to any constitutional restraints or limitations. Um, I think a great deal has been written uh, about my um, vote uh, in a Senate Judiciary Committee in 1970 on a bill called House Bill 20, uh, which would have repealed uh, Arizona's uh, abortion statutes. I would like to state, first of all, uh, that the vote occurred uh, some 11 years ago and was one which uh, was not easily recalled by me, Mr. Chairman. Now that we dealt with the first, next up, the notorious RBG, I'm, I mean Ruth Bader Ginsburg. In my lifetime, I expect to see three, four, perhaps even more women on the high court bench, women not shaped from the same mold but of different complexions. I surely would not be in this room today without the determined efforts of men and women who kept dreams of equal citizenship alive. People ask me sometimes, when, when do you think it will be enough? When will, it, will there be enough women on the court? And my answer is, when there are nine. What has become of me? could happen only in America. Like so many others, I owe so much to the entry this nation afforded to people yearning to breathe free. Now, I know many people are familiar with outspoken, witty, and sometimes extremely blunt Supreme Court justice due to her recent stardom on social media. However, her history-making efforts began way before she was known as the notorious RBG. Ginsburg helped fight for equal rights for all men and women and was a leading lawyer at the American Civil Liberties Union. In 1993, President Bill Clinton announced her nomination to the Supreme Court, making her only the second woman to take a seat on our nation's highest court. Justice Ginsburg, will you raise your right hand and repeat after me? I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear. I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, 
that I take this obligation freely that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion and that I will well and faithfully discharge and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter the duties of the office on which I am about to enter so help me God so help me God from Sandra Day O'Connor to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, these two women paved the way for many future generations of women and men to come. So I wanted to take some time and interview one of these women who is making her own mark on history and blazing a trail for others to follow, especially that March is Women's History Month. That woman is Maria Vathis, the current president of one of our nation's most prestigious legal groups, the Federal Bar Association. Much like her predecessors, Justices O'Connor and Ginsburg, Maria Vathis is not a person who is easily forgettable. She's by far one of the most intelligent people I have ever met, and recently had the honor and privilege of interviewing her when she was in Las Vegas for the Federal Bar Association's Rising Professional Symposium. Here is a conversation you should know about with the president of the Federal Bar Association, Maria Vathis. Federal Bar Association is an organization targeted to lawyers that practice in federal courts and judges as well. We're about to celebrate 100 years next year, so we're really excited. Long-standing organization, and we've you know, got wonderful membership. It's really just a great group of people. And, and, and I know that this uh, specific um, conference was for rising professionals in, the, in yes. uh, the Federal Bar Association. So can you talk about that a little bit, like what the point of this conference, uh, this symposium is, and um, what the Federal Bar Association is hoping to come out of this? Sure. So we think it's really important to focus on the young lawyers in our profession. And we think that it's really critical to have programming targeted to those young professionals that would be of interest to them. We feel that people who attend our Rising Young Professionals Symposium are going to be the next leaders of our organization. And we have a lot of stars at this conference, so it's really exciting to see them. Yeah, I, and just interviewed a few, they just blew me away. Absolutely. Uh, there was such a different um, medley of presentation topics mm-hmm. that went on today, and I had the great opportunity of interviewing four of them. And, and I noticed a lot of them were more my gen, like millennial based, like, you know, social mm-hmm. media, medical cannabis, implicit bias. How important do you think it is as the president of the FBA to make sure that there is this? diversity within like these types of conferences, you know, making sure that there are these educational opportunities for people to learn about stuff that other attorneys present may have never had any exposure to. It's extremely important. Um, I think it's, you know, what's going on in our legal community right now, and I think people should be aware of it. I think the fact that we're educating people on things like implicit bias, the importance of diversity, certainly as you know, a female leader of this organization, that's so important and I'm so glad that we're focusing on it. And we also you know, had a speaker talk about cyberbullying and the impact that that can have and how difficult it really is to be able to create a law to address that sort of conduct. So I think that these things are all you know, important to to be talking about and we need to keep it, you know, something that's on our radar and that we're aware of. Throughout your um, tenure with the Federal Bar Association, what have you noticed has been some of the struggles for the people in the legal profession right now? That um, whether it's, you know, diversity or how um, the legal profession is perceived, 
just uh, we I was talking to Sybil about the implicit bias. You know, people think they know what a lawyer looks like, you mm-hmm. know, the law and order or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but is there any examples in your mind or any issues that you're hoping that as president of the Federal Bar Association that you want to tackle or, mm-hmm. or shine more light on? Well, you know, there are so many answers to that question. I could really go on and on. So I will highlight just a few things that I think are really important. Um, You know, this year we're in my term as president, we're focusing on the importance of health and wellness. And then also I hope to raise awareness about the, you know, good things that women in the law are doing. You know, we always hear about, you know, the struggles women have and I think it's also important to to celebrate the success that women have had in the profession and you know to your point you know yes there definitely is a certain I guess stereotype of attorneys and I think the fact that our our organization focuses on you know the importance of diversity shows that you know we're people we you know we're all different you know and but yet we're unified by the fact that we love the profession we're dedicated to this organization and we're going to do our best to you know try to tackle these issues that just simply you know hold people back and you know bring them down things like you know implicit bias or not taking diversity into account things like that so. Now, what does the Federal Bar Association do to help attorneys? Mm-hmm. Is it is it networking and is it helping if they need help with a case study or so forth? So, if you can briefly explain explain like the mission of the Federal Bar Association. Well, we've we've are very focused on you know the importance of educating our attorneys on different you know, continuing legal education topics. We have some really innovative programming that I think is important and it also helps our attorneys stay current on what's going on in the legal landscape, stay current on the cases and the laws as well. Um, So that's certainly something that, you know, we spend a lot of time on. And we do a lot of lobbying on Capitol Hill. Uh, We basically lobby for um, judicial pay for you know the fact that the third branch of government should have equal funding so i think all of these things are really important and i'm proud of the work that we do how long have you been practicing law i don't like to give away my age but (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding Um, no i've been practicing law about 16 years now okay and and, in your time practicing law what have you seen throughout those years that both good and bad in the evolutionary process of the legal profession? Mm-hmm. I mean, just one or two that you think that um, people have helped, you know, like you said, the lobbying efforts and so forth, or things that have been set back that you hope to help tackle in your tenure as the president of the FBA? Yeah, so let me think about that question. Uh, I think we've made a lot of progress in uh, being inclusive, so I think that that's very important, and I think that that's something that we can certainly be proud of in the organization. Um, As far as struggles go, um, you know, I suppose it's the same as any bar association. You know, we want to make sure that we're, you know, providing services to our members and value and things like that. So it's not anything, you know, beyond just what any other bar association would probably be focused on. Exactly. Now, how often do you guys hold these types of conferences? Not necessarily just the rising 
professional symposium, but I was looking on the website that you guys do do other stuff as well. We do a lot. Yeah. So a lot that you know I'm very, very excited about. So uh, I'll just tell you my first conference as Federal Bar Association president was in Paris, France. We had our second annual fashion law conference in Paris. We paired with the French American Bar Association and we were lucky enough to be hosted this year by the Sorbonne, which was absolutely gorgeous and they were so kind and it was just an absolutely stunning space. Uh, we had a reception after the conference in a room that's been around since the 1500s. So it was, you know, just absolutely special and um, very memorable, and I think we're going to continue it. So we do that. We had a conference in Puerto Rico in November, um, put on by the veterans and military section on that on that topic, which was um, such an honor for me to go and and be there um, in Puerto Rico with everyone. We have a chapter there as well, so it was wonderful to be there. Um, you know, I've. We've got our next week, I'll be in Manhattan. So we have our annual art law conference and our New York fashion law conference. So I'm excited about that too. We have an unemployment conference or actually labor law conference in Puerto Rico in February. We have a key TAM conference coming up at the end of the month in Washington, DC. Uh, we do an Indian law conference. This year we're gonna have it in New Mexico. That's in April. We do an annual swearing-in ceremony at the Supreme Court for young lawyers, but really lawyers of any age can attend. It's really so amazing. We're, it's just one of those days you can't forget. At the Supreme Court of the United States? Yes, wow. yes. So that's great, too. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but we have programming monthly and so exciting I, things. I didn't know that, that you guys also had a program that was very specific as well around yes. certain... Uh, issues and topics such as exactly very as a journalist I get asked all this time by you know we do speak in high schools and stuff and they ask like how would I become a journalist now mm -hmm. if there's people listening at home and they say I want to become an attorney or mm -hmm. I they're in college right now and it's you know as we all in college a lot of us were broke when we we're in college sure <laughs> I felt like it wasn't paying off yeah but through your experience and through what the Federal Bar Association does what would you just give it as a life advice to people about that want to enter this profession, that mm -hmm. want to make it more diverse and want to be the upcoming rising professionals? Well, definitely study hard. <laughs> so, you know, you're going to need to make sure that you keep your grades up. You will take the LSAT, so you'll study for that exam as well. And um, as far as expectations in law school, you can expect those first year grades to really matter as far as your first job. So, you know, a lot of times those first year grades will determine whether you can do on-campus inter interviewing to get a summer associate position after your second year of law school. That can be really important because that can, you know, kind of set your career on a really good path. Um, that's not the only option. There, you know, are endless options with a, you know, legal degree. But I would say you're going to be kind of intimidated your first year, but just study hard and know that you can do it. Um, your second year, you're going to work really hard, and your third year, they say that you're, you know, by your third year, you're bored, but I say just enjoy it because, you know, school's going to be over, and then once you start working, it's going to be a lot of long hours, and that's enjoyable in a different way, but you're really going to learn how to practice on the job, and that's okay, and that's how it should be. Law school will teach you how to think. I also think it's really important to find mentors. And I've been so lucky in my career because my mentors have mainly come from the Federal Bar Association. 
um, friends and mentors. I've been so lucky to be part of this group because I have just found incredible people who have shaped my life and my career through this organization. And I think if you can do that as a law student, and what I mean is if you can find mentors or sponsors young in your career, it's going to certainly benefit you throughout because they've been there and they can give you tips and they might be able to have insight for you know jobs and different situations that you might find yourself in in the profession. So it's great to have that resource. What do you find is the most rewarding aspect of being the president of the Federal Bar, Bar Association? I think it's all of the, uh, the ability to meet so many wonderful people around the nation. I've really enjoyed that. And I have to say just, you know, as a young female president, I have had so many women from around the world, Europe, you know, uh, South America, reach out to me and say, wow, you know, I'm so happy to see that and it's inspirational and, you know, thank you for showing us that we can do it. And that to me is just, it's so heartwarming and I almost can't even talk about it because I get so choked up. But that's what I find the most rewarding is just being able to, you know, to meet people and to make that connection. That's all for this episode of Conversations You Should Know About. Thanks again to Maria Vathis, whom in honor of Women's History Month, sat for this interview with me. Maria is a lawyer at BCLP Law Firm and is the current president of one of the nation's most prestigious legal organizations, the Federal Bar Association. In the nearly 100 years the FBA has been around, there's only been 10 female presidents, with Maria being the 10th. Maria's leadership and determination will help shape the legal community for the better, especially for future female litigators to come. To find out more about the Federal Bar Association or about Maria Vathis, check the links below. And don't forget to follow me on all social media at Radio Colton or subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. This is Colton Salas with KXNT News and conversations you should know about.